The scripture in this morning will be from Acts chapter 2, and it'll be verses 42 through 47. You can find that on page 1082 of the Black Pew Bible. If you don't have one with you, uh, there should be one in front of you or around you, but it'll be on page 1082 of that Bible, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. That's the text that that Morgan uh, read for us. He read the teaching text as we typically do. And we're going to hold your spot there and then um, hold your spot right there and then go back to Luke. Go left, um, two books, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Now, last week we we looked at Ephesians chapter 2 through 4 from a bird's eye view. It's a lot of, lot of text we covered. We kind of looked at it with a bird's eye view. And we answer the question, what is the church, or better, and better ask, who is the church? And we said that the church is the people of God, right? And it was this great mystery that Paul kept talking about a mystery, and the mystery was that those who are not a part of the nation of Israel, Gentiles, could be a part of the family of God. So the church is made up of Jew and Gentile. It's the, it's, the church is... Um, the church is made up of sinners who Christ died to redeem. The church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head. And so what does the body do? The body does what the head says. So we're the body with Christ as our head. We also answered the question, how does God build his kingdom? And it's through the church. We, we, you remember we talked about God doesn't do his work through a group of isolated individuals. He does his work and reveals himself through the church. The church isn't just part of God's plan. The church is God's plan. All right? It's important that we belong to a, a local congregation, a fellowship of believers, because that's how God does his work. But also, that's how God grows the church. That's how we mature. How does the church grow? How are we sanctified? How do we become like Christ? Hey, it's through the church. As we come together and we meet together and live life together and we use our gifts that God has given us supernaturally through the Holy Spirit, and as we all get together, that's how we grow. You look at Ephesians chapter 4. That's how we mature and grow. As we get together, living life together, using our gifts... And we talked about how Sunday morning, coming for worship for an hour and a half, 
probably not going to meet the need in your life. We need to live life together. We have to spend enough time together that we can use our spiritual gifts. You using yours, me using mine. And the result is we, we grow into maturity according to Ephesians chapter 4. Well, today we're going to continue studying a text that teaches us about the church. It's Acts chapter 2. And the author is Luke. He also wrote the gospel of Luke. So let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Who is he writing this to? Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Luke, this is Luke, the Gentile physician who was on many trips with Paul, his missionary journeys. We see his name popping up in the letters that Paul is writing. He's, he's writing this account of Christ's life. And we call it the Gospel of Luke. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, or 1 and 2 rather. And this is the sequel. Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So James, we got... Luke writing the gospel of Luke, telling about what Jesus did while he was here on earth. And now we have the, the book of Acts written by the same author. It's the sequel. And he, what he's going to do is he's going to tell us what happened when Jesus ascended into glory. What's happened is Jesus has ascended and the believers, which there are 120 at this time, chapter 1, verse 15 tells us, they were in Jerusalem and they were obeying Jesus. And what did Jesus tell the disciples to do in Jerusalem? You remember? You had to stay there. Remain in Jerusalem until the counselor comes. And so on the day of Pentecost, Matthias was chosen to replace Judas. The Holy Spirit came in power. And Peter preaches a sermon that we know so much about in Acts chapter 2. And at the end of the sermon, look at verse 40 and 41. Peter proclaims, and with, or Luke proclaims, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. This is Luke speaking about Peter, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So the church... On that day, grew from 120 to 3,000 one day. Quite a movement of the Lord. So verse 42 through 47, our text today, is a recounting of how the early church lived out this message that Peter has just preached. It becomes a, a practical expression of the theology communicated by Peter in that sermon on the day of Pentecost. 
So what we see here, three words by way of organizing our teaching time this morning. We see the church, number one, is gathering together, okay? And if you could come up with a, um, a catchphrase, uh, something like that for our church, maybe it would be these three words. We see the church gathering together. Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. They were devoted, this church was, to fellowship. What does that mean? We don't have one anymore, but we used to have a fellowship hall. That's where the kids are. They're in their children's church. They're having children's church right now in our fellowship hall. Most churches, they have a fellowship hall. What does it mean to fellowship? Well, it, it doesn't just mean to spend time together. It doesn't mean... To, just to eat, it has this idea of sharing. The word it denotes the, the, the idea of a partner, of a teammate, having something in common with somebody. First John chapter 1, we're going to actually study 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Next week, um, Jenny and I, we're going with the team to Kansas City. Uh, it's about 30 of us going, and uh, Phil's going to be preaching next week a, a message on fathers. So excited about that. And then the following week, we're going to start with 1 John. And we're going to teach 1, 2, and 3 John. But 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship, there's that word again, with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to come back and, and teach a lot more about that text. But we see this word fellowship. We have fellowship with us and have fellowship with the Father, have fellowship with the Son, have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Well, verse 44 and verse 45 explains fellowship. Look at those verses. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions, their belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they shared what they had for those with those who needed it. Now, that doesn't mean they shared everything they had. Right, because they met in each other's homes, and you think about Ananias and Sapphira. You remember they had property that they sold. So it wasn't like the, it wasn't like the sect, the the, um, the ascetic sect in Qumran. Right, there was a sect there around right after the 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 New Testament church was started. And what they would do, you had to sell everything, and then they pulled all their money together and they lived together in like this commune. Well, that's not what. The word fellowship means that's not what was going on in the New Testament church. People still owned property, but they shared what they had to help each other because they had a, a common purpose. They shared a common goal. They shared a common hope. They shared a common experience. They lived life together and they shared what they had with one another. Look at chapter 4. Hold your place right there in chapter 2. Look over to chapter 4, verse 32 through 37. Again, a, another explanation of the church. How do they live their lives? What do they do? Look at verse 32 of chapter 4. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each 
as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I believe that's the same Barnabas who encouraged Paul and went with him on his first missionary journey. But we see these people sharing. They didn't have to share what they had. They didn't have to sell their possessions and, and bring the money and distribute it to those who had need. But they did so because they cared for one another. They had something in common. They shared life together. And, and we can have this fellowship. And, it, and it, what's so amazing and, and, and wonderful about the church is we don't even have to come from the same culture. We don't have to come have the same ethnicity. We don't have to speak the same language, believe it or not. You want to have a, a sweet time with people. Uh, I think um, our time overseas, just being able to worship with those who uh, didn't speak English. Just having worship time and praising the Lord and prayer time. It's, oh, it's just such a sweet time. And we have people there that we love and we're like family to us. But we don't have the same culture, the same ethnicity. We don't speak the same language. But what, what brings us together? We have something in common. It's Jesus, right? We have that common experience, that common hope. And this, is, this happens to you. It's happened to me several times. There was a, a, an older gentleman that worked uh, at, at Walmart in Covington. His name was Mr. Wayne. He worked in the automotive department at that time. I'm not sure if he's still there, if he's still working there. But I remember I was there, and I just thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to this man. I'm going to see if I can share the gospel with this man. I began to share the gospel with this man, Mr. Wayne. And, man, that joker just got all fired up excited. Come to find out he was a believer and he loved the Lord. And he just got excited. And we just sit there and talked and talked and talked. And he didn't, he didn't earn his money that day because uh, we wasted a lot of time, or his, his boss's time. But we just talked about the Lord and what the Lord had done in my life. And he told me what the Lord had done in his life and what was going on in our church. And we just had us a good old time. I like having church right there at Walmart. Yeah, we just shared this common experience. And that's happened to some of you. I hear stories of you're in an airport or you're traveling and some of you are, are in sales and you travel a lot where you sit beside somebody on an airplane. What do you do? You always ought to think, well, I need to share the gospel. We went out to Rigby, Idaho, and we get on a plane, and lo and behold, there's a, a, young, a young lady sitting. Uh, she had the window seat, and then Jenny sat down because she's a woman, and I sit down in the aisle seat. Thankful for the aisle seat. I love the aisle seats, right? And uh, Jenny's in the middle, but Jenny got to share with this young girl. I mean, what's she going to do? Where's she going to go? I mean, she's got to listen, right? Um, and so Jenny was able to share the gospel with this, this woman. And you've done this time and time again. And, and it's happened. We're in airports, and we just begin to talk about our lives and what we're doing and where we're going and this, that, and other. And before you know it, something comes up with the Lord, and you begin to share the gospel. And all of a sudden, that, it resonates with this person. And many of you have had this experience, and they're a believer, and you just sit there and talk, and you just have something in common. It's like, man, y'all, you just talk to this stranger for, you know, a long time. Why? Because he's got a testimony. I have a testimony. We, we share a common goal, a common purpose, and we just had this sweet little fellowship there. But how much more do we have fellowship with one another here at Beaver in our own congregation, right, where we're daily, weekly living life together, carrying each other's burdens, Rejoicing with those who rejoice, right? Mourning with those who mourn, yeah. And what happens is we, we, we're interdependent upon one another, right? Yeah, we depend on one another because the gift that Bryce had, his gifting, the Lord supernaturally gave him a gift, and it's different than what I've been gifted. And so as we spend time together, there's 
needs that are met in one another's lives as we spend time together. We need each other. And the Bible, command, we're commanded in Scripture. And that's one of the things we, when we go through our, uh, we've got quite a few here in the next month or, or so, we'll be going through um, membership dinner. And we talk about that in our, in our covenant that we agree upon as church members here at Beaver. And one of the things is we're going we're gonna to be together. We're going to commit to being together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It's a command. It's very clear. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Well, how do we do that? By not neglecting to meet together. But some, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The writer of Hebrews, there were some who, who wouldn't get together very often, right? But he said, no, 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 no. We're going to... We're going to stir up and spur on one another. How do we do that? Just by being together. Yeah, just by being together. It's, fellowship is living life together. We're helping each other by meeting each other's needs, right? Partnering together. Helping each other live out the demands of the Christian walk. Um, let's see what else this gathering looks like. Look at back in verse 42. It says, the breaking of bread. They also broke bread. What did they do? What did it look like? They're gathering. What did it look like? They broke bread together. Well, what's that? Well, is that eating a, a meal or is that talking about the Lord's Supper? Everybody always jumps to the Lord's Supper. I think it's probably both. I think during this time we see in uh, Jude chapter 1, verse 12, and 1 Corinthians 11, 17-34, the writers of these letters talk about a love feast. And so they had this big meal and, and this love feast probably imitated the, the Last Supper where, where Jesus initiated and instituted that we take the Lord's Supper. But it seems like after the apostles died, these, this big meal here that was a meal and the Lord's Supper seemed to, to be separate events. And, and the reason that the, there's a reason that there's a document that the early church fathers wrote and they mention this love feast, but then about 150 A.D., about 50, um, about 50, 60 years after the book of Acts was written, you don't hear mention of that love feast anymore. So it seems like those two became two events. But they broke bread together. We, we see in verse 46, again, they broke bread in their homes. They shared meals together. Verse 42 also says that they were committed to prayer. I, I can just imagine them remembering um, what Jesus taught in John 14. He told them to ask for anything in my name, and, and he would do that for them. So they're taking Jesus at his word, and they spent time praying together. John MacArthur about prayer, he says, Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. In other words, what he means is that's how God does his work through the prayers of his people. That's how we activate God's power. Isn't it interesting when we pray, uh, and we don't pray enough as a church, um, a couple things we need to do more is, as a church body is to, we need to pray more together, and we need to have an opportunity to confess sin to one another. Because we don't do that enough. It's a... It doesn't matter how much you pray... You never feel like you pray enough. You always feel like, man, my prayer life needs to improve. My prayer life needs to improve. I'm not spending enough time talking with the Lord. 
they prayed together, the early church. Also, they worshiped together. It says they, verse 46, said they met together in the temple courts, and they did this daily. And you think, why? They went to church every day? Like, yeah, they actually did. Um, later on, that dissipated, right? But they did. That was a, a habit that they did. They would, they would gather in the temple, and they would worship together. And, um, and also, you think about them meeting together. Chris, they're meeting together. They're praying together. They're breaking bread together. They're doing the Lord's Supper together. They're doing all these things together. I just can't imagine them doing that and, and them not using their spiritual gifts. I think that also, we don't see that in the text here, but we saw it last week in Ephesians chapter 4 where, you know, when they're together, they're using their gifts. The spirits come. They've been, they're given gifts, right? And so they're using those gifts. And what happens, we said last week, what happens when we're together spending time together, living our lives together, and we're using our gifts. Ephesians 4 says the church grows. Now, I think it grows exponentially in number, physically, but I think it grows spiritually, matures. And so that's the word that we see in Ephesians 4 for growth is maturity. And that's the second, the second thing we see. Not only are they gathering together, but they're growing together, right? And, and back to verse 42, I said we're going to come back to this. When they fellowship, what did they do? They, they shared meals. They shared burdens, joys. They shared service. They shared their stuff, their money. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They used their giftings to help one another. There's a lot of togethering and sharing, right, in the early church. But notice in verse 42, I said we're going to come back to this. They devoted the first characteristic of the church is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean exactly? They means they sit at the apostles' feet. I mean, they had the Old Testament, right? But the New Testament is in the process of being written. It hadn't been written yet. So what do they do? They, they listen to those who had been taught by Jesus, those authority figures, those men who had been with the source, right? The source of life, the source of everything. Where'd you get that from? I got it from the source. Can you imagine the, John, the beloved disciple? Where'd you get that from? Who, who said that? The source. <laughs> the source of all things, dear. Yeah. Think about they didn't, the, the early church, they didn't know the significance of the Holy Spirit. So what does Peter do? He teaches them that, right? He just preached a sermon and included that in his sermon in Acts chapter 2. He taught them about the death and resurrection of Jesus, the, the deity of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and how to become a believer. He talked about baptism, right? Yeah, he, they learned that from Peter. Paul is going to teach them about the resurrection and its significance, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, how it affects believers. He's also going to teach about the second coming. He's been doing that in First and Second Thessalonians, Peter's going to teach the church about persecution. First Peter chapter four, verse twelve. James, what's he going to teach them about? Well, he's brother Jesus. He's going to teach them about how their faith should be accompanied by what works. Yeah, James chapter two. Well, hey, hey can we eat pork now that we're following Jesus? Uh, do we have to lay off the pork, or can we actually eat it now? Well, Peter's going to address that, and guess what? Luke's going to address it too. What did God want the early church to know? Well, that he inspired the apostles to write down. The early church learned God's will by listening to the apostles, and the apostles eventually wrote that down for us. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, this is a great commission. Jesus is about to be uh, taken up into glory. 
He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do what? Observe, observe, observe all that I commanded you, right? What did Jesus command? Well, that's what the apostles are teaching, the early church. They sat at the feet of the apostles. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, he's writing to this persecuted church like newborn infants. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. What's that pure spiritual milk? Well, for us, we always think about what? The scriptures, right? For them, they would be thinking about the apostles' teaching. The teaching of the apostles was the milk of the early church. In verse 43, look, it tells us why they should listen to the apostles. So why should we listen to them? Who are they? Well, they're the ones who listen to the source, right? Why should they listen to them? Well, because they're the guys who are doing many wonders and signs. That's, how they, that's where they got their authority from. Oh, do we need to listen to these guys? Mm, I think you do. Watch this guy. Look what God does through him as he raises the dead and heals the sick and casts out the demons. Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We actually talked about this on Wednesday, Wednesday night in, uh, in, in, in our Bible study. Why would they listen to Paul and, and Silas and Timothy? And this is about Paul. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and many wonders and mighty works. Yeah. We talked about Paul. He was the one who was taken up into the third heaven. He's heard from the Lord. Yeah, he was one abnormally born, meaning he, he didn't live, right, during the time when Jesus walked the earth like the other apostles did. But, yeah, we listened to Paul. He had authority. So why should they listen to the apostles? They had authority, right? They were the one showing they had authority by doing many miracles and signs and wonders. It's interesting, too. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is really, really important. But think about this. This is... Right on the heels of Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came, looked like flames of fire over these men. They were speaking different languages, and people there were listening. What's, these guys are drunk. They're speaking all kinds. No, no, no. They're speaking a, a, a different language, and I understand that. They're not drunk. It's really early in the morning. Oh, the Holy Spirit has come, right? Think about it. They could have coasted. I mean, think about it. It's Pentecost. 3,000 people were saved. That's quite a worship service. 3,000 people were saved. Went from 120 to 3,000 in a sermon, right, an hour. Think about it. They could have uh, rehashed that experience over and over and over and over and over and over. Right, Blake? They could have lived on that thing for years. Well, you remember what happened on Pentecost? You remember last year at Pentecost? You remember three years ago at Pentecost what happened? Isn't that what we do a lot of times? We coast off all those ex good experiences we had with the Lord, all that good quiet time, right? good worship service, right? good mission trip, right? good whatever. They didn't do that, this early church. They, didn't, they got out into business. What did they do? They didn't focus on past experience, but focused on what God would have them do in the present and the future. Their fellowship was sweet, but notice this is mentioned first. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They studied and they 
learn and they listen to what the apostle said and they pass that from church to church and person to person. James and John and Peter and Paul, they're not with us today, but their writings are with us, right? The things they wrote and the, the writings they endorsed are with us, bound up in the scriptures. Anytime time elapses and the scriptures aren't studied or held in high regard, you know what those times are called in history? The dark ages. Isn't that something? I mean, could you imagine? We read, we read Acts chapter 2, then we looked at Acts chapter 4, the characteristics of this church, and it's just sweet. When you read it, go, I want to be a part of that church. Nobody had a need. Woo! I'd like to be a part of that. That was a sweet, sweet time. Can you imagine that happening if they weren't steered by truth? It wouldn't happen, right? It's really, really important in, in the things we do. It's steered by truth. We talk about being a, a biblical church, a healthy church. Everything we do needs to be steered by the Word of God. Biblical healthy churches are studying, learning churches. So what happens is we gather together. You just got this sweet fellowship because we're using our gifts. Reagan, you're using your gifts. I'm using my gifts. The result is we're growing, but we're at the same time we're studying the Scriptures. Scriptures are authority. How do we do this and what should we do? How do we handle this situation? Well, here's the Scripture. This is the apostles' teaching, and that drives. That's our authority. But, but as we gather together and we're using our gifts and we're studying the Scriptures, we grow. So you see, it? We're, they're gathering together and they're growing, and that's what we do. We gather together, right, as much as we can. And we have to live life, and there is a, a time where you can get together too much. You can't even minister to lost people, right? I was in Louisville and we were at a church. I was leading a small group and really involved in the church. And it seemed like sometimes I had to say, look, I work with lost people. I got to have a, a night I can spend with these lost people. Right? I was just at the church too much. And that can happen. But usually the, it's the other way around. We get together once a week for about an hour. But as we gather together and we, we study together and we pray together and we're using our gifts and we're growing. Yeah. Us being together, having sweet fellowship, studying Scripture, the church grows. You grow and I grow when the church grows. And that's the goal, is to be like Christ and to be biblical and to be godly. But notice they don't keep it to themselves. right? They want others to experience it also. Look at verse 47. They were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. How are people saved? How are people born again? Uh, yeah, through faith in Christ, but they have to hear the gospel. So what's happening here is day by day the Lord is adding to their number because people are hearing the gospel. Now, who's sharing the gospel? We think, well, the easy answer the apostles, those who... Learn from Jesus from the source, right? They're sharing the gospel. Well, of course. But that's not the picture you see here. Who's sharing the gospel? The church. It's like this, oh man, we're having such a sweet time. This is such a sweet period in our lives. We want to share that with other people. And what happens is they're sharing the gospel. People are, it, it grows. The church grows exponentially. 
Again, it's not just individuals out here living life on their own, that lone ranger Christian types trying to win the world for Christ. No, it's the church. But as we go out, we're going to dismiss. We're going to sing this incredible song here in just a minute, and we're going to go out and be excited, and we're going to go out in, in, in our spheres of influence. Joey, has he knows people that I don't know. Plantation Road, I don't know those folks. He does, right? Annabeth knows people I don't know. Chris knows people. He works with people that I'll never see in my life, right? Yeah, we have different spheres of influence. But we go out and say, hey, man, this is what's going on. My, this is what I'm learning. And what happens? The church is built up. People hear the gospel. People have to hear the gospel. We did an evangelism training last semester. We got, we got to do that pretty regularly because nobody nobody's saved, nobody repents, nobody's rescued from the dominion of darkness unless they hear the gospel. Amen. And the gospel has to come from you and me, not just me, but you and me, right? You and I. We have to share the gospel because we have spheres of influence, right? And it's really not that hard. I mean, not that hard. I mean, Pooh cuts hair, right? I mean, she's got a sharp instrument right? They're sitting in a chair. and She's like, they can't go anywhere, right? Yeah, they're just there, captive audience. And you have them. You have those little moments. You're like, yeah, I can share here. And that's what we need to do. We have to share the gospel. So you have these gathering group of believers and they're having this sweet fellowship, living life together, using their gifts, studying the scriptures. And then the church is growing because we don't keep it to ourselves. We're influencing other other people. Yeah, it's just a sweet thing that's going on. So, okay, what does that look like in your life? Okay, Now, for me, I'll, I'll be really honest. It's easier for me to share the gospel than it is for you most of the time. Why is that? It's not because I've studied more, which I probably have for a lot of you. It's not That's not right. It's because I'm a preacher. And when the preacher shows up, you just kind of expect that's where this conversation is going. It really is. That's why people, when I call, I, I kid sometimes. If Josh, if I call Josh or send him a text and he don't get back to me, you know, after a little while, I'm probably going to send him a message and say, hey, buddy, not everybody wants to talk to the preacher. I understand. I get that all the time. And there, there's some truth to that. It really is. But it's really not hard. Let's think about it, what we can do this week. Um, we have a lot of stuff going on. Um, we met with small group this morning. Maybe you had a good time in small group. You get to work tomorrow. Somebody's going to say, hey, tell me about your weekend. And you could tell them about whatever you've done. But you say, you know what? We're sitting in small group at church. I went to church yesterday, and we're sitting in our small group, and this is the conversation we had. And it got me thinking. And they just kind of move right into the gospel. It could be where you, um, you just you're at in the break room, and you're like, "Hey, let me, hey, I, I read something this week. I'm gonna read it to you." And you pull out your phone and pull out your little Bible app, and you just read it to them. This is what I read this week, and it kind of just kind of conver conversation going that way. I used to wait tables, pagan environment, great place to do ministry, and so when. I was didn't have anything going on. I'd have I had these little scriptures in my pocket. I'll pull her out and I'll just review it. And my manager came up and said, "Hey man, what are you doing?" I said, "I'm just reviewing some of these 
verses. He said, let me look at it. So I handed it to him. I said, he said, why do you do this? I said, well, and I explained why I do it. And he said, that's a good idea. Hey, I'm going to start doing that with you. Okay. So I went home. Genesis 1, 1. Romans 3, 23. I just read real simple verses, right? And so I just put them in my pocket. And so he would come up the next day. His name was Jason. He was a great guy. Didn't know the Lord, right? But I just pulled out those little things. Just think about ways to bring up the gospel and share truth and call people to repentance. It's really not that hard. You're going to work tomorrow or you're going to be spending time with people and you, you, you could bring it. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? And they're going to ask you the follow-up question is, what'd you do? Well, I went to church. Hey, this is what we talked about in church. This is what we studied in church. Just lead into conversation. It's, it's not really real hard. And I'll, I'll tell you this. If you say, you know, I don't share the gospel because I really don't feel comfortable. I really don't know how to. All you got to do is tell me and I'll teach you. I'll teach you. I'll practice with you. Teach you how to do it simple ways. Practice with you. I'd love for you to know how to do that. If you don't feel comfortable with that, my job is to teach you how to do it. Your small group leader would love to teach you how to do that. Yeah, I'd love to. So what's the application from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47? We see this church, right? They're gathering together. So what do we do? We gather together. Yeah, we get together when we can, when it's possible. You can't always be here, got obligations, work, blah, blah, blah. You know, always something going on. But when we can, be together. We meet on Sunday mornings. We meet small groups Sunday morning. We have small groups Sunday night. We meet on Wednesday nights. Up through the end of June, we'll take July off. Wednesday nights, we get together. Yeah, let's gather together. And when we gather together, what do we do? Let's pray and let's break bread together. Let's worship. Let's confess sin. Let's use our gifts. Let's study the Word. And when that's happening, we're going to be growing. Some of you are growing. Some of you are growing. Yeah, you're growing. You're learning more about the Lord, and you're applying it to your life. You're God, through His grace and mercy, you're eradicating sin in your life, and those habits that you have been doing for years, you're putting those to death, right? And you're forming new habits. Yeah, you're growing. And... Then, you, you don't grow unless you study the scriptures. You don't grow when you come to church and you, you listen to the preacher for 40 minutes a week. No, we got to read the scriptures. So read the scriptures, application. Read the scriptures, study the scriptures. And then we, we, we share that with other people. You work with lost people. You go to school with lost people. You live with lost people. And, and sometimes my pastor in Louisville, he, um, he went and got gas at the same place Every, every time he filled up, he didn't go anywhere but this place. He says because he was an executive pastor. It was a big church, and he was just really busy, and he spent a lot of time discipling. And, and he said, I just don't have a lot of lost people in my life. But this woman, and he named her name, she works day shift at the Amico. So he'd go there. He said, I get to talk to her you know, every week, sometimes a couple times a week. And I, I share with her. I've shared the gospel with her several times, and I get to share with her from time to time. So... Looking for opportunities to share the gospel. Tomorrow you're going to work. Today you're going to be with friends, family. It's real easy. Segue in the gospel. Hey, this is what I learned. This is what I read in Scripture. Right? 
If you have somebody who's a Christian or, or supposed Christian or somebody who reads scripture, hey, what have you read in the Bible lately? Let me tell you what I've read. It's, it's real easy. It's not real, real hard. So let's, let's gather, continue to gather together and let's grow together and then let's go and let's share the gospel. And, um, that's our application for... But this... If you had a tagline for our church, maybe that'll be it. Just gathering, growing, and going. That's what we do. That's what the New Testament church did, and that's what we can do as well. Well, grace to you. Come on up, worship team. Let's sing. And when we're finished singing, right here, you don't, Sarah, you want to meet right here? You're going to do it in FLC. Right here? Okay, we'll meet. Just stay right here. If you're um, going to be a part of the um, sports camp, if you want to help with that, meet over here. We'll give you some instruction. Kind of get you going. This is a good song. Why don't you stand up? Let's sing. Let's sing this song, and uh, we'll be dismissed.